0: Brothers and sisters, praises be to our loving God Yahuwah and his beloved Son Yahusha the King. We're gathering all of us together to study the words of our Father and his Son. Now we will continue the second part of the Feasts of Yahuwah, focusing this time on the Autumn Feasts. When we speak of the Autumn Feast, we speak of course of the last three feasts, of the seven feasts that was given to us in the book of Leviticus chapter 23 so we're going to study the third or the second part the last three feasts this was from our study last week if you notice the first four feasts were already fulfilled by Yahusha hamashiach namely the passover the feast of the unleavened bread Feast of first fruits and the feast of weeks or pentecost notice that the first three feasts all occurred on the first Month, right? This was the first month or the first month of the year. And this occurred on what months again? In the Gregorian or our calendar, like the month of March and April. Take note, they all took place on the first month. Then Yahushua goes up to heaven. While in heaven, he sends forth the Holy Spirit and the kahal or the church was born. And then on the seventh month, we have the three feasts. The seventh month happens to fall in September, October, which is the autumn months. This is why what we're going to study today or focus on today are the autumn months. Why is it good for us to study that? Well, if we look at what Yahusha the king did during the first four feasts we can probably expect that Yahusha will also do something in the last three feasts what did he do in the first four feasts well on passover day he died right the feast of unleavened bread he went to the grave the feast of first fruits he went he was resurrected and on the feast of weeks the kahal was born by sending his spirit and so when we look at the pattern we're not saying categorically that Yahusha is going to do something on these successive uh, feasts of yahuwah he might if the pattern is to be followed there is something significant that can take place in the next three feasts then again we are not speaking categorically here because there's no bible verse that says yahusha is going to do something on the first day of the seventh month yahusha is going to do something on the 10th day of the seventh month yahusha is going to do something on the 15th day of the seventh month there's nothing like that in the holy scriptures what we're doing is we're looking at what has already happened and we look at the structure of the, the 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 feasts of yahuwah and from there Kind of expect certain things that might come. And I want you to take a look at the the uh, graph, not the, the picture there that you're seeing on the screen. You notice that the 50th day in between the autumn months and the spring months is the Pentecost, right? It kind of stands out, it, it kind of stands out by itself. It's not in the first month, it's not in the seventh month right? And so that's the time when Yahusha is where? In heaven. And so the first four feasts corresponds to the first coming of Yahusha. What does the, the third, the last three feasts correspond to? It corresponds to the second coming of Yahusha, right? It could very well point to that. Now I want to make a disclaimer before I continue. The purpose of this study is not to predict you get that? We're not predicting when the second coming is. Its purpose is to be informed about events and prophecies of Scripture, because it's good to have knowledge of God's words to guide us so that we can properly watch and prepare for the second advent of Yahusha the King. And so let's go first with the Feast of Trumpets, where this year it is scheduled to occur, September 19. 2020. Now, after this Bible study, I don't want people going around saying, "Oh, Judgment Day is on September 19, 2020. The Feast of Trumpets is on September 19, 2020." There are other names uh, to the feast for the Feast of Trumpets. are also it is also called Yom Taruah, which means uh, Day of Blowing, and Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah, which is the New Year of the Jewish. People. So that's the other names for the Feast of Trumpets. Now, when is it celebrated? Leviticus 23, 23 or 25, the Nehahuwah spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel saying, in the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall have a Sabbath rest, a memorial of blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. So it is on the first day of the month. Take note out of all the seven feasts of yahuwah it is only the feast of trumpets that falls on the first day of the month and so because it is the first day of the month guess what that is on a new moon because the hebrew calendar follows a lunar calendar or is based on lunar or moon Activities. We'll show that to you later on. Now, what is the purpose of the blowing of trumpets? Because when you look at the book of Leviticus 23, it just simply tells us to blow trumpets. Now, what was the purpose of the blowing of trumpets? Let's read the book of Numbers 10, 8 to 10. The sons of Aaron, the priests, are to blow the trumpets. This is to be a lasting ordinance for you and the generations to come. When you go into battle in your own land against an enemy who is oppressing you, sound the blast on the trumpets, then you will be remembered by Yahuwah your God and rescued from your enemies. Do you know what? I want to pause it for a while. You know what they call a trumpet in Hebrew? The, 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 the ram's horn that they use is called a shofar. It would be nice if every household will get like a shofar, I wonder where you can buy that, huh? Maybe like a, a Hebrew store. You know, they have like Korean stores, they have Vietnamese stores, Filipino stores. I wonder if they have Hebrew stores where you can buy a shofar. It'd be nice, you know, if there's like a time of danger, you blow on the trumpet, you blow on the shofar because it says right there, then you will be remembered by Yahuwah your God and rescued from your enemies. That's fascinating. Verse 10. Also at your times of rejoicing, your appointed feasts and new moon festivals, you are to sound the trumpets over your burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, and they will be a memorial for you before your God. I am Yahuwah, your God. So what is the purpose of the blowing of trumpets? When you go into battle, when you have the appointed feasts, During the new moons, which signals the new month, and also during the giving of special and fellowship offerings. These are some of the the things that were that they use the blowing of trumpets for. What else? Joel chapter 2, verse 1. Blow the trumpet, sound the alarm on Zion, God's sacred hill. Tremble before the people, tremble, people of Judah. The day of Yahuwah is coming soon but also is the purpose of the blowing of trumpets it is to announce the coming of yahuwah our god or the coming of his son the trumpets were also blown to give warning to wake people up to gather together the people of israel so the trumpet had many uses however what we are interested in is how it will be used by Yahushua. Remember, the first four feasts were performed by Yahushua on those specific days. On the Feast of Trumpets, will Yahushua also do something very significant that is related to our salvation, just like what he did during the first four feasts? I think he will. Why? How else were the trumpets used? The book of Matthew 24:31, and he will send... His angels with a great sound of a trumpet. And they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. One use of the trumpet is to signal Yahusha's work of gathering his people together. Like when the book of Thessalonians chapter four, sixteen to 17. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shell, with the voice of an archangel. And with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. You know, we all are expecting this day to happen, right? When we will be taken up into the air to be with Yahushua forevermore. When those who died in Christ will be risen again and be with him forevermore. This is a great reunion. And we're going to meet Yahushua in the air. Here's my question to you. After we go up into the air, where do you think Yahushua is going to take us? Where is he going to take us? Remember the verse we read earlier today? The first verse that we read earlier today. What was the first verse we read today? (laughs) or the first verse you forgot the first verse that we read today what was it in john 14 1 to 2 what did Yahusha say Yahusha says don't let your hearts be troubled believe in god believe also in me i am preparing what i'm preparing many rooms many mansions for you and what does he say he's gonna come back when he comes back when he appears to us Guess what will happen to his kahal? What will happen to those who are in Christ? Bible says we're going to rise up, dead or alive. We're going to go up, and he's going to take us into his many mansions. That is, at the trumpet of God. So personally, okay, I believe that when Yahushua will make his appearance, so that he can bring his kahab together with him and take them to his kingdom in heaven. It will happen on a feast of trumpets because it says trumpets of God. What else proves that? Well, not only Thessalonians 4:16 and 17, but also Corinthians 15, 50 to 53. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inheriting corruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed, for this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. What further proves that the us going to heaven, going with, to be with Christ in the air will take place on a feast of trumpets. In Corinthians 15, 50 down to 53, the Bible says, In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, what will happen on the last trumpet? We're going to be changed. Why do we need to be changed? Because it says their flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of gone before Yahusha can take us to heaven with him we need to first be changed when will this happen at the last trumpet now what does that mean the last trumpet because there are some who believe that is the last trumpet that will happen at the very end of the world but what is the meaning of the last Trumpet. If we go back to the book of Leviticus 23, 23, 25, this is what's it, what it says. Then Yahuwah spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, on the first day of the month, so this is uh, the day of trumpets, you shall have a Sabbath rest, a memorial of blowing of trumpets. And so it mentions the blowing of trumpets. Not, not simply once, but the blowing of many trumpets. And what the Jews do on the feast of the, uh, of the trumpets, they blow, they have four different trumpet blows. One is called the tekiah. Number two is called the shevarim. Number three is teruah. And number four is the tekiah gedola. So it's not just one trumpet blow. It's like, uh, it's four different kinds of trumpet blows. What's the first one? Tekiyah. What is a tekiyah? It's like one long straight blast. They use that first. Next, they blow on the shevarim, three short blasts. And then the teruah, nine quick blasts and short succession. So these are three uh, trumpet blasts and each blast is blown three times. So that's one, two, three, that's nine times. Then repeated 11 times. That's 99 shofar blasts that they will do on the Feast of Trumpets. And then after they do the 99, there's going to be one last one. What is that? The tekiya gedola, one final blast. Traditionally, the tekiya gedola is called the last trump. This is why when it mentions the last trump, it's in reference to what the feast of trump is. we're not talking about the president of the united states here there might be those who are saying okay he's the last trump to be caught to, to be in office we don't know that right now what are what's an example how does this how does the blowing of a shofar sound like let's go ahead and listen the uh The following shofar blast will be the traditional shofar blast, which is the first tekia, which is the awakening blast, the one long blast. That will be the shivering, which is the three staccato blast. I'm going to sign the Turua, which is to sound the alarm of approaching enemy, which is the nine broken blasts. Nice, huh? The last one will be the Tekega Domas, which is the one long blast, uh, increasing loudness. One. called the last trump this is why i believe according to first corinthians 15 that the last trump is in reference to the feast of trumpets when it is blown we are going to be changed in the twinkling of an eye and meet Yahusha in the air to receive our salvation can't wait for that right i can't wait for that but what further proves that uh, the uh, feast of trumpets or the rapture as they say when we are going to meet with yahushua in the air is going to happen on a feast of trumpets well this is what is observed by the jews when they celebrate rosh hashanah what is rosh hashanah again yom teruah or the feast of trumpets this is another name it says here rosh hashanah is observed the first and second day of the seventh month of the Jewish religious year, Tishri. This means it usually takes place in September in the Western calendar. In Israel, Rosh Hashanah is the only holiday that lasts for two days. Both days are considered one long day of 48 hours. Known as the Feast of Trumpets, Rosh Hashanah is recorded in the Old Testament book of Leviticus 23 23 to 25 and also in numbers 29 one down to 6. And so according to the Jews when they celebrate Rosh Hashanah or Feast of Trumpets it is actually two days two long two days but they consider that day as one long day of 48 hours. That's very unusual and there's a reason behind that. Why? What makes the Feast of Trumpets unique? The Feast of Trumpets is the only feast That is marked not by a day, not by a date, not by a time. Rather, it is marked by a sign in the heavens. For example, the other feasts. We know a given date, right? The 10th, the 15th, the 14th, right? But when it comes to the Feast of Trumpets, it is not marked by a day, a date, or a time, but by a sign in the heavens. What is that sign in the heavens? The book of Psalms, 81 verse 3, sound the ram's horn at the new moon. And when the moon is full on the day of our feast. And so what determines when that trumpet is going to be blown on the feast of trumpets? The people of God would have to look at the heavens and look for what? The new moon. What is the new moon? Well, the new moon, we know the moon rotates around the earth right? And so the new moon is right there. When the new moon appears, it's, we're going to be looking at the dark side of the moon. And because we're going to be looking at the dark side of the moon, what do you think it's going to look like when it's the, astro, when it's the astronomical new moon? If it's the actual new moon, its position is like that right there on the screen. How is that going to look like when you, when you look outside? It's going to look like that, you're not going to see anything because you're only looking at the the uh, the dark side of the moon, right? And so according to the U.S. Naval Observatory, under optimal conditions, the present moon can be sighted somewhat less than 15 hours after astronomical new moon. So when the new moon is there, you cannot see anything. It's black. You cannot see the moon. However, after 15 hours or so, according to the U.S. Naval Observatory, usually, however, it is not seen until it is more than 24 hours old. Often, it is not seen for more than 48 hours. But despite these advances, we still cannot predict the exact time or geographical location at which the young crescent will first be spotted. And so during the days of Moses... During the days of the prophets, even today, how do the Jews know it's time to blow the trumpet? They have to go outside during the time of the new moon. Once they see the crescent of the new moon, then they know it's time to blow the trumpet. But we don't know when that will be. Sometimes it takes 15 hours. Most of the time it takes more than 24 hours, sometimes up to 48 hours and so when you look outside for example you are a jew and you're expecting the new moon so you go outside and you start watching right you begin to watch and as you watch uh, you begin to see all of a sudden you see the crescent ah this is the sign of the new moon and so you report that to the chief priests and then they blow the shofar that's the start of the new moon so the new moon is viewed in the western sky just after sunset the first sighting of the new moon marks that evening that night and the ensuing day up until sunset as the first day of that particular hebrew month this is why the feast of trumpets is traditionally known as the feast where no one knew the day or hour isn't that interesting does that sound familiar Of that day, nobody knows. Uh, During that time, nobody knows the day or hour. It's an idiom. It is in reference to the Feast of Trumpets. This is why in Matthew 24, 36, 42, when Yahushua says, But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Watch, therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. And so when you see the first sign of the new moon because it has moved right that is the time when the trumpet is blown because no one is sure when that day or hour will be that feast of trumpets is called the trumpet festival or feast where nobody knows the day or hour this is why yahushua says we need to be watchful why is it that nobody knows the day or hour? Because Yahuwah ultimately will be the one who will disclose when it's going to be visible by the people. And so what will Yahuwah do? 1 Thessalonians 4:16 and 17, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. See, it is God who will blow that trumpet. And when God blows that trumpet, Yahushua will come for his kahal. And take them to heaven with him. So when we look at Leviticus 23, the Feast of Trumpets, the first day of the seventh month, is it possible? Will Yahushua take his kahal to heaven? We cannot speak in the definitive here because it hasn't happened yet. Unlike the first four feasts, which has already happened. The first four feasts already happened on the exact days of the feasts. And so could it be that on the first day of the seventh month, that Yahusha will take his kahal to heaven with him? It could very well be. That would be nice if that was the case. Well, what is going to happen next? After the Feast of Trumpets, the next feast is the Day of Atonement. We also call that Yom Kippur, scheduled for September 28, 2020. We all, We studied... Uh, Yom Kippur in detail, but let's go ahead and look at some of the uh, the major parts of the celebration. Leviticus 23, 26 to 31, and Yahuwah spoke to Moses saying, also the 10th day of this seventh month shall be the day of atonement. It shall be a holy convocation for you. You shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire to Yahuwah, And you shall do no work on that same day, for it is the day of atonement, to make atonement for you before Yahuwah your God. For any person who is not afflicted in soul on that same day shall be cut off from his people. And any person who does any work on that same day, that person I will destroy from among his people. This is what Yahuwah said to Moses to make sure that the people of Israel know What is required of them? What is required from the people? Bible says we have to afflict our souls. Take note. I want you to take note that the emphasis of afflicting your souls, it says you shall afflict your souls. Any person who is not afflicted in soul on that same day shall be cut off from his people. Could it be that in some future event, on a day of atonement, that the people of Israel are going to be required to afflict their soul. That is a question I want to leave in your minds. Because it is involved and connected with the day of atonement. Remember, on the day of atonement, the high priest will do his part. But the people will have to do also their part. The people's part is to afflict their soul now what will the high priest do leviticus 16 11 15 and aaron shall bring the bull of the sin offering which is for himself and make atonement for himself and for his house and shall kill the bull as the sin offering which is for himself then he shall kill the goat of the sin offering which is for the people bring its blood inside the veil do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bull and sprinkle it on the mercy seat and before thee mercy seat what will the high priest do to bring about atonement for the people of israel the bible says he will take the bull and he will take the goat both will be sacrificed and by the blood of the bull blood of the goat the people of israel will be cleansed and atoned for question was this fulfilled by yahushua HaMashiach? what is your answer was it yes when he died on the cross when he was the passover lamb in hebrews 9 12 to 15 not with the blood of goats and calves but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all having obtained eternal redemption for if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh how much more shall the blood of christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God and for this reason he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgression under the first covenant that those who are called men by who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance did Yahushua satisfy the requirement for atonement yes how so When he died, when he sacrificed himself, when he sacrificed himself, the blood that was spilled is much better than the blood spilled from a goat and from a sheep or from a bull, right? Calves or goats. Because in verse 12, not with the blood of goats and calves, what is that in reference to? What offering? The day of atonement right yahusha's blood satisfies the requirement of the day of atonement offering this is why when yahusha died it fulfilled the requirement however who benefits from what yahusha has done that's the question and here's the answer 9:11 and 12 but christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands that is not of this creation not with the blood of goats and calves but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all having obtained eternal redemption and so who gets to benefit from the sacrifice of yahushua as the high priest while those who accept him as their high priest when yahushua came here and he died the question is did the people of Israel did he accept Yahusha? Did he accept him as their high priest? No. And so the people of Israel, which is what the Day of Atonement was for, was not fully manifested in the in the people of the, the people of Israel. This is why Yahusha's sacrifice on the cross will have final and more complete fulfillment in the future for the people of Israel. Yahusha came for Israel, but Israel rejected Yahusha. And so the high priest Yahusha his atonement was first and foremost for the people of Israel, but we also got to benefit from that because Israel rejected the Messiah. And so what did Yahusha say? To the people of Israel. He's speaking to the people of Israel. Luke 11, 29 to 30. And while the crowds were thickly gathered together, he began to say, This is an evil generation. It seeks a sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah the prophet. For as Jonah became a sign to the Ninevites, so also the Son of Man will be to this generation you see the people of israel rejected Yahusha as their high priest why well they were asking for a sign <laughs> they wanted a sign they wanted a sign from their king if he is the messiah if he is the high priest and the king of the melchizedek order they wanted a sign but what did yahusha say yahusha says to them the only sign you're gonna get is the sign of jonah the prophet do you remember jonah remember jonah because Yahushua says, you're going to get a sign. And in verse 30, he gave the sign and said to them, as Jonah became a sign to the Ninevites, so also the Son of Man will be to this generation. So Yahusha is likening himself to Jonah and the work of Jonah with the Ninevites. So Yahushua is standing for Jonah, and Israel is standing for Nineveh. And so he's making a parallel between what Jonah did with the Ninevites and what Yahusha is trying to convince the people of Israel to do when he was there. And so, what did Yahusha say as this sign, this sign of Jonah, eleven thirty-two of Luke? The men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And indeed, a greater than Jonah is here. And so Yahusha said he is likening himself to Jonah. As a matter of fact, he said someone greater than Jonah is here. Who is that? Yahushua. But he's likening his this event with the people of Israel, with the event with Jonah and the Ninevites. In when Jonah was in Nineveh, how did he get to Nineveh, by the way, if you still remember the story? How did Jonah end up in Nineveh? He was swallowed by a big fish because initially Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh because Yahuwah wanted Jonah to go there and preach to them to to get them to repent. Because if they will not repent, they'll be destroyed. And so Jonah was spit out by the big fish into Nineveh and he began to preach. He began to preach repentance what happened to the people of nineveh when jonah preached bible says they repented look at that and what exactly did jonah say to them this is important the book of jonah three four down to five it says on the first day jonah started into the city he proclaimed 40 more days and nineveh will be overturned the ninevites believed God. they declared a fast and all of them from the greatest to the, to the least put on sackcloth. What was preached? What was proclaimed by Jonah to the Ninevites? He said he got 40 days to repent and renew your life. But well, what would happen if the Ninevites ignored the repentance, the proclamation that was declared by Jonah? Well, what happened to them? Bible says their city would be overturned. How long was the grace period for? How long? 40 days. Remember, Yahusha was alluding to this. But Yahusha says someone greater than Jonah has come. And so he's using this as a prophecy. When Yahusha uses this as a prophecy, what do we need to understand? In Ezekiel 4:6, it says, I have assigned you 40 days a day for each year. In Numbers, 14, 34, 40 years, one year for each of the 40 days. In prophecy, there is a prophetic code for a day and a year. In the case of Jonah, one day stood for how many years? One year. 40 days is what? 40 years. So when Yahusha began to preach to the people of Israel, inspiring them, encouraging them, teaching them to repent and to accept him. How many years were given to the people of Israel? Forty years. And if they were not to respond by repentance, what would happen to them? Like what would happen to the Ninevites or to Nineveh? They would be overturned. In fact, this is what Yahushua said in Matthew 24, 1-2. Then Yahushua went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Yahusha said to them, do you not see all these things? And here's the big one. Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. The temple will be overturned. Every stone will be ripped apart. This is what Yahusha said is going to happen because they still have not repented they have rejected their king their high priest what also will be destroyed is it just the temple luke 19 41 44 now as he drew near he saw the city and wept over it saying if you had known even you especially in this your day the things that make for your peace but now you are they are hidden from your eyes For these will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in in on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground. They will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. You see what Yahusha is saying, because you have rejected the one who has come for you. To be your high priest and to be your king, Yahusha says, not only will your temple be destroyed and overturned, even the entire city will be destroyed and overturned. And so Yahusha, when did he begin to preach to the people of Israel about repentance? 30 AD. 40 years later, do you know what happened? 70 AD, complete destruction of the temple and Jerusalem. This is a well-known historical fact. In 70 AD, the Romans came. They sieged Jerusalem. They overturned the temple and the entire city of Jerusalem. Because of 70 AD and what happened to, to Jerusalem, I want to ask you a question. Who is the high priest today in Israel? Who is the high priest? They have no high priest. Who is the king? They have no king. You see, in a 780, Israel ceased to be a nation. They lost their high priest and were still without a king. They lost their king during the days of captivity. But after that, in 70 AD, not only were they without a king, they were also without a high priest. Not only that, they ceased to become what? A nation. They were dispersed throughout the land. And so what did Yahusha say? This is what Yahusha said in Matthew 23, 37 to 39. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who were sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. For I say to you, you shall see me no more till you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of Yahuwah. That's very interesting because Yahushua says he was weeping for Jerusalem. He knew it it would be destroyed because they rejected him as king and high priest, right? But Yahushua says something here that he's not going to give up. You see the last part? What did Yahushua say? He says, you shall see me no more till you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of Yahuwah. So what Yahusha is prophesying here, Yahusha will come back. But when will he come back? Bible says when the people, the nation of Israel will recognize him as the one sent by Yahuwah and who bears the name of Yahuwah. is that interesting? And so God has not given up. On Israel and this is probably the main part the main point the theme of this Bible study the feasts of Yahuwah seems to indicate not only structurally not only in terms of a timeline but also biblically that God is not finished with the nation of Israel Yahusha said it will not come back till the nation of Israel Will recognize him as the one sent by God this is why we believe God is going to do something for Israel and as a proof of that this is what it says in a prophecy in the book of Isaiah 66 8 to 10 who has ever heard of such a thing who has ever seen such things can a country be born in a day or a nation be brought forth in a moment Yet no sooner is Zion in labor than she gives birth to her children. Do I bring to the moment of birth and not give delivery, says Yahuwah? Do I close up the womb when I bring to delivery, says your God? Rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad for her. All you who love her rejoice greatly with her. All you who mourn over her. And so according to the prophecy in Isaiah in 66, And so Isaiah 66, Isaiah 65, in fact, Isaiah 60 onwards speaks about the end times, during our time. And so Isaiah 66 is speaking about God's work for Jerusalem, for Israel, during the last days. What did he say? Can a country be born in a day, a nation be brought forth in a moment? That was a prophecy written long ago, the days of Prophet Isaiah. And that was fulfilled in these last days. Did you know that? When was that fulfilled? May 14, 1968. The nation of Israel was born. It literally took just a day for the people of Israel to be born. What does that show you? God is not yet finished with Israel. And so when we look at what's happening with Israel, it can inform us about the timeline of where we are considering the end of the world not only we you know when israel became a nation a lot of enemies attacked her right and so immediately after israel became a nation there was a war the following day which they quickly was victorious and then 20 years later there was the six-day war remember the six-day war this is a snippet of what happened uh, someone's uh, testimony on the sixth day or well, on june 7 1967 uh idf what is idf what is idea yeah israel D- defense force maddie is here israeli defense forces paratroopers, advanced through the old city toward the temple mount and the western wall bringing jerusalem's holy site under jewish control for the first time in two thousand years there are sound recordings of the scene as the commander of the brigade lieutenant general mordecai mota Gur, approaches the old city and announces to his company commanders we're sitting right now on the ridge and we're seeing the old city shortly we're going to go into the old city of jerusalem that all generations have dreamed about we will be the first to enter the old city and shortly afterwards the temple mount is in our hands i repeat the Temple mound is in our hands. General Rabbi Shlomo Goren, chief captain of the IDF, sounded the shofar at the Western Wall to signify its liberation to Israelis and Jews all over the world. This was a joyous and momentous occasion, many considering it a gift from God. So God apparently is not yet done with Israel. He will do something for Israel. And so what will God do for Israel in the future? That's where we are informed by the feasts of Yahuwah. So in 70 AD, Israel ceased to be a nation, was without a high priest and without a king. But today, right, Israel is again a nation. It's a nation again. But it's still without a high priest. It's still without a King. Because to this very day the people of Israel reject Yahusha as king and reject Yahusha as high priest. This is why it's not yet finished. What is the proof? According to prophecy, what is going to happen still? Well, take note of this prophecy in Isaiah fifty-three four to seven. You know this prophecy very well. Isaiah fifty-three: Surely our griefs He Himself bore, and our sorrows he carried yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken smitten of god and afflicted but he was pierced through uh, he was pierced through for our transgressions he was crushed for our iniquities the chastening for our well-being fell upon him and by his scourging we are healed all of us like sheep have gone astray each of us has turned his own way but jehovah has caused the iniquity of us to fall on him He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb that is led to slaughter and like a sheep that is silent before its shearers. So he did not open his mouth. This is a prophecy about who? Yahusha. This is a messianic prophecy. It was fulfilled in Yahusha when he, like a lamb, was slaughtered on the day of Passover. However, Isaiah 53 is not yet completely fulfilled. What is not yet fulfilled? We read Isaiah 53, 4-7. Let's read 53, 1-3. to Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of Yahuwah been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. And so what, was, what is not yet fulfilled in Isaiah 53? It is the repentance of the people of Israel. Because in Isaiah 53, it mentions that the people of Israel are confessing. This is a confession. Who has believed our report? They are now confessing to what they have done. that They despised and did not esteem the one who died for them and for the rest of the world. And so this is going to be fulfilled. This is why in Zechariah chapter 12, 10 to 14, take note of this prophecy that must be fulfilled. I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Want to pause there for a while? When it speaks of the house of David, what is that referring to? People of Judah, right? The nation of Israel. And so God is speaking about what will happen in the future. I will pour out in the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and of supplication, so that they will look on me whom they have pierced. Who is that one they have pierced? And so the prophecy says, time will come when the people of Israel will look upon him whom he pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for for an only son, and they will weep bitterly over him like the bitter weeping over a firstborn. In that day, there will be a great mourning in Jerusalem, like the mourning of Hadarimon in the plain of Megiddo. The land will mourn every family by itself, the family of the house of David by itself and their wives by themselves. The family of the house of Nathan by itself and their wives by themselves. The family of the house of Levi by itself and their wives by themselves. The family of the Shimeites by itself and their wives by themselves. All the families that remain. Every family by itself and their wives by themselves. So what is this a prophecy about? What is it a prophecy of? It is about the day when the people of Israel as a nation, They're going to repent and mourn and afflict their soul. Remember when I told you on the day of atonement, who's going to be cut off? Those who do not afflict their souls. What was that pointing to? The day when Israel will mourn because of the one they pierced. Who is that one they pierced? Yahusha, Could it be that this will happen on a day of atonement? When they will finally realize that Yahushua was the high priest that they have put to death? This is why I want to leave you with this question. Will Yahusha become Israel's high priest on a future day of atonement? Could be, right? This is why after the blowing of trumpets, God is not yet finished with his work. This is why if all was done, then after the blowing of the fifth, after the, uh, the the feast of the fifth feast, the feast of the trumpets, then there should have been no more trumpets or no more feasts, right? But we still have number six, day of atonement, and we still have number seven, tabernacles, right? And so there must be something else that God is going to do. There must be something else that Yahushua is going to do. What could that be? It could be that Yahushua on the day of atonement would become the high priest for the people of Israel. He's is already the high priest of his church. But now he will complete the day of atonement that started when? The days of Moses for the people of Israel because the day of atonement is called the national day of atonement for Israel as an nation. So what we can see, with the events and future events unfolding is the church. It's not just the church that's being restored, but Israel is also being restored. Remember what happened to Israel in 70 AD? They lost everything. They lost their identity. There was no more nation of Israel. They lost their king. They lost their high priest. Slowly, it's coming back. You know that? They became a nation again when 1948, they got Jerusalem, control of Jerusalem when? Part of Jerusalem, at least part of Jerusalem when? 1967, you see how it's being restored piece by piece? And so on the day of atonement in the future, what's gonna be restored? They're gonna get a high priest who will be Yahushua Hamasia. This is why when we look at Leviticus 23, on the Feast of Trumpets, Yahusha takes his kahal to heaven, but he's not finished with Israel. So he will Yahusha become Israel's high priest. Will Israel be a part of God's work of salvation? Well, we know it's being restored, the nation was restored, high priest is gonna be restored on the atonement, but Israel still doesn't have a king, right? But then again, we have the Feast of Tabernacles, Sukkoth. And what is Sukkoth all about? Well, let's read the book of Leviticus 23, 33 to 35. Then Yahuwah spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel saying, The 15th day of this seventh month shall be the Feast of Tabernacles for seven days to Yahuwah. On the first day, there shall be a holy convocation. You shall do some customary work. On it. So this is celebrated on the 15th Day of Atonement on the 10th. And what happens on the 15th? Uh, 23. Also on the 15th day of the seventh month. When you gather, when you have gathered in the fruit of the land, you shall keep the feast of Yahuwah for seven days. On the first day there shall be a Sabbath rest, and on the eighth day, a Sabbath rest. And you shall take for yourselves on the first day the fruit of beautiful trees, branches of palm trees, and boughs of leafy trees, and willows of the brook. And you shall rejoice before Yahuwah your God for seven days. And so on the 15th day, on the Feast of Tabernacles, what is that all about? What is included in the activities they're going to do? It mentions a gathering, right? The gathering of the fruit that is in the land. And so this is a harvesting as well. This is why in Exodus 34, 22, celebrate the Feast of Weeks, Pentecost, with the first fruits of the wheat harvest and the Feast of Ingathering at the turn of the year. This is why the Feast of Tabernacles is also called the Feast of Ingathering. Take note, there's many things happening in the Feast of Tabernacles. It begins with gathering. The gathering of more harvest. The first harvest was the wheat harvest, but there's a harvest during the autumn too. And this is called the Feast of in gathering. In Exodus 34:22, in another translation, you must celebrate the festival of harvest with the first crop of the wheat harvest and celebrate the festival of the final harvest at the end. Of the harvest season so there's two harvest seasons right one festival of harvest and also this one the festival of in gathering or tabernacle this suggests prophetically that god's work of salvation continues after Yahushua's kahal has been taken to heaven you see that the work of god's salvation continues even after the kahal has been brought to heaven and what, what day or what does God instruct his people to do throughout this celebration? This is a nice part right here in Deuteronomy 16, 13, and 15. You must observe the festival of shelters for seven days at the end of the harvest season. After the grain has been fresh and the grapes have been pressed, this festival will be a happy time of celebrating with your sons and daughters. Your male and female servants and the Levites, foreigners, orphans and widows from your towns. For seven days you must celebrate this festival to honor Yahuwah your God at the place he chooses. For it is he who blesses you with bountiful harvests and gives you success in all your work. This festival will be a time of great joy for all. So what's the command of God to his people on the Feast of Tabernacles? You have to rejoice. It's a happy festival during the days of tabernacles. And so what do you think will happen? What will Yahusha do on the day of tabernacles? Take note, on the Feast of Trumpets, what did he do? He brought the kahal to heaven. But there are still people on earth. You know, all this time, I thought, a lot of us thought, when we go to heaven, that's the end of the world, right? Apparently not. And you'll get to see this later on and in our future Bible studies. God is not yet finished. When the ahal is taken to heaven, there are still events taking place on earth. Why? Because there are two festivals left, Feast of Day of Atonement and also the tabernacles. During the Feast of Trumpets, the church is taken to heaven. During the Feast of the Day of Atonement, yahoo the people of israel who's left here on earth they will now recognize Yahusha as their high priest and so we have one more the feast of trumpets what is it about it's a day of celebrating a day of in gathering bringing more to be saved it is a day of harvest it's also a day of celebration and great rejoicing so what does this point to what does this tell us because now that the church is going to be in heaven already What does this tell us about what God is going to do next? Romans 11, 25 to 26. This is what Apostle Paul says, for I do not want you brethren to be uninformed of this mystery. Take note, I'm gonna pause there for a while. This is a mystery. It's a mystery, which means not many people know it, right? But Apostle Paul is letting us know about this mystery. He says, for I do not want you brethren to be uninformed of this mystery so that you will not be wise in your own estimation that a partial hardening has, hop- has, has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved just as it is written. The deliverer will come from Zion. He will remove ungodliness from Jacob. The Bible says that there is a fullness of the Gentiles. What is that? That is our age now. This is God's work of calling the Gentiles to be parts of Yahusha's body. Why? Because Israel rejected Yahusha. And so God focused on the Gentiles. And so God is adding more and more Gentiles into the body of Yahusha. This is the work today. The adding of people, the harvesting, if you will, of people to belong to Yahushua, HaMashiach however after this is finished when the fullness of the gentiles has come in God's going to remember his promise to Abraham Isaac and Jacob what is he going to do for Israel the bible says then Israel is going to be saved all Israel will be saved when it says all Israel will be saved it is in reference to the nation of Israel not not remnants here and there, but the nation of Israel. This is why if you can see, if you can look at the pattern of what's happening in Israel, they are preparing and, and, and events that will usher in the new age. This is why we should be focused on watching what's happening to Israel. I wouldn't be surprised if there are plans set in building a temple already for the people of Israel. Because Israel God's focus will be on Israel after the Qahal is taken to heaven. Israel is not a nation. Israel will have a high priest on the future Day of Atonement, but it's still without a king. So will Israel have a king? This is what uh, Yahushua says, Oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem, no one kills the prophets and stones, and stones those who are not sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together. As a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. For I say to you, you shall see me no more till you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of Yahuwah. And so Yahusha is planning to gather Israel together to be a high priest. Not only a high priest, but also as, a, as who? Let's read here, Zechariah 14, 16 to 19. And it shall come to pass that everyone who is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year to worship the king, Yahuwah of hosts, and to keep the feast of tabernacles. And it shall be that whichever of the families of the earth do not come up to Jerusalem to worship the king, Yahuwah of hosts, on them there will be no rain. If the family of Egypt will not come up and enter in, they shall, have, they shall have no rain. They shall receive the plague with which Yahuwah strikes the nations who do not come up to keep, what does it say? The feast of tabernacles. They shall be the punishment of Egypt the punishment of all the nations that do not come up to keep the feast of tabernacles. Apparently time is going to come when Yahusha will not only be the high priest on the day when the people of Israel will look to him and mourn and be repentant, it seems that on the day of the Feast of Tabernacles, Yahusha will also be their king, right? This is why Israel is being slowly restored. When will that be? When Yahusha will be the king of Israel. Let's read revelation 19 7 to 8 let us rejoice and be glad and give glory to him for the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready it was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen bright and clean for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints okay so this is happening in heaven Revelation 17 Revelation chapter 9 is a vision given by Yahusha to Apostle John and what is happening now it says the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready question who is the bride of Yahusha who is the bride the church the kahal of Yahusha that's the bride and so there's going to be a wedding feast There's going to be a marriage that will take place in Revelation chapter 19. And who is the bride that is to be married by the Lamb? It says here, those who are clothed in fine linen, bright and clean. What does that stand for? The righteous acts of the saints. And so there are people in heaven who is the kahal, the church, who is going to be wearing fine linen, bright and clean. And after the wedding feast, what will Yahusha do? It gets better. Here it is. Revelation 19, 11 and 14. And I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. And he who sat on it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written on him, which no one knows except himself. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. Interesting. So after the wedding feast, what is Yahusha going to do? Heaven's going to open up. He's going to ride on a white horse. And when he rides on his white horse, what is he going to do? The Bible says he's going to wage. What does it say? He's going to wage war. That's why he's got his weapons with him. He's got a sword with him. And who's going to be, be behind him, following him also on white horses? Those wearing the fine linen, the white and clean clothing. Who are they? That's the kahala. The followers of yahushua they're also going to be following on white horses where will they go what will they do they're coming from heaven where are they going to go revelation 19 15 and 16 from his mouth comes a sharp sword so that with it he may strike down the nations and he will rule them with a rod of iron and he treads the wine press of the fierce wrath of god the almighty and on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And so Yahusha is going back to earth. That would be his second coming. He's going to earth not to die, but to be King of kings and Lord of lords. So when he comes back to earth, he will be king, not just of Israel. He will be king of all because all kingdoms will be subject to Yahusha. And who is he bringing with him? The saints. Why will he bring the saints with him? Let's find out. Book of Jude 1:14 and 15. Enoch, the servant from Adam, prophesied about these men. See, the Lord is coming right from heaven with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones. To judge everyone and to convict all the ungodly of all the ungodly acts they have done in the ungodly way, and of all the harsh words ungodly sinners have spoken against him. And so, when Yahusha comes back together with the church, the, the Kahal, the saints, the holy ones, what will they do? De- what will they be doing? It says they're going to be judging everyone. <laughs> when will this happen? let's read revelation 24 to 6 we just came from revelation 19 let's jump to revelation 20 it's one continuous timeline then i saw thrones and the people sitting on them had been given the authority to judge and i saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their testimony about yahushua and for proclaiming the word of god they had not worshipped the beast or his statue nor accepted his mark on their forehead or on their hands They they all came to life again, and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. This is the first resurrection. The rest of the dead did not come back to life until the thousand years had ended. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. For them, the second death holds no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him a thousand years. This is the millennial kingdom that Yahushua is going to establish when at his second coming when he comes back he will bring the church with him what will they do they will sit on thrones to act as judges they will judge even angels the bible says what will happen to those who became faithful to Yahusha? they'll be resurrected they'll be brought back to life and they will serve with Yahusha for a thousand years this is the establishment of the kingdom the millennial kingdom. When it says millennial, what is that? How many is that? What does that mean? Millennial? A thousand. This is why we pose the question: will King Yahusha establish his millennial kingdom on a feast of tabernacles? You see the pattern? Yahusha on trumpets takes his kahal to heaven. And then on earth, the people of Israel they will repent and recognize Yahusha as their. High priest, and then on the appointed day, what will Yahusha do? He will come back together with his holy ones, and establish the millennial kingdom. And his holy ones will sit on thrones and will sit at, will act as judges over the earth. It's called the millennial kingdom for a thousand years. Yahusha is going to rule, and what will life be like here on earth for the thousand years? Isaiah sixty-five. Take note. Be glad. Rejoice forever in my creation. Look, I will create Jerusalem. This is Jerusalem here on earth. As a place of happiness, her people will be a source of joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and delight in my people. And the sound of weeping and crying will be heard in it no more. No longer will babies die when only a few days old. No longer will adults die before they have lived a full life. No longer will people be considered old at 100. Only the cursed will die that young. In those days, people will live in houses they build and eat the fruit of their own vineyards. Unlike the past, invaders will not take their houses and confiscate their vineyards. For my people will live as long as trees, and my chosen ones will have time to enjoy their hard-worn gains. They will not work in vain. And their children will not be doomed to misfortune. For they are the people blessed by Yahuwah. And their children too will be blessed. I will answer them before they even call to me. While they are still talking about their their needs, I will go ahead and answer their prayers. The wolf and the lamb will feed together. The lion will, will eat hay like a cow. But the snakes will eat dust. In those days, no one will be hurt. Or destroyed on my holy mountain, I Yahuwah, have spoken. So this is the kingdom, the millennial kingdom that Yahusha is going to establish. This is utopia here on earth. This is why people will have long lives, as long uh, they will live as long as trees. But there will still be death. You notice that? Why? This is just the millennial kingdom. For a thousand years, there's going to be great joy happiness festivities in the kingdom of yahushua but after the thousand years is over what happens revelation 27 to 10 when the thousand years come to an end satan will be left out of his prison he will go out to deceive the nations called gog and magog in every corner of the earth he will gather them together for battle a mighty army as numberless as sand along the seashore and I saw them as they went up on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded God's people and the beloved city. But fire from heaven came down on the attacking armies and consumed them. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. There will be, they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So after the millennial kingdom, after the thousand years is over, what's going to happen? The Bible says the Satan will be left out of his prison. And what will they do? They will deceive the nations. How many will be deceived? It's amazing. Despite what they have seen, that's still as many as the number of sand on the seashore. That's how many will be deceived. And what will they do? They will attack Jerusalem. They will attack the people of God. And when they begin to do that, what will happen? Fire from heaven will come down and consume them all. And after they consume, what happens next? Revelation again, 2011. And I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. The earth and sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were open, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up its dead, and death and the grave gave up their dead, and all were judged according to their deeds. The death and the grave was thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death, and anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. And so what's going to happen after Satan... And the people he deceived will will attack the people of God. They'll be consumed by fire. And then afterwards there's going to be final judgment of people. And those who are not recorded in the book of life, they'll be cast into the lake of fire. And after this, Revelation 21, 1-4, now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. There shall be no more death, no sorrow, no crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. This is the new Jerusalem. This is the new heaven and earth. No more death. No more pain. No more crying. This is where we receive. The rest of the other people will receive everlasting life. And we will be together forevermore. And that is what is scheduled to happen the future this is why i'm so excited i really want to study the book of revelation already because it's so informative and it tells us the sequence of events that will take place one after the other a lot of the ideas that we have covered today about israel about coming back from heaven these are all new ideas for you right these are new ideas for me as well because it's only now that we're taking the time to actually read what's in the Bible and analyzing it. And so apparently God is not yet finished with Jerusalem. And when Yahushua takes his kahal to heaven, he will prepare his kahal for a wedding feast, a wedding. After that's done, he will come back so that he will complete his mission to be the king of kings and Lord of lords. Could it happen on the Feast of that Tabernacles? It could be. Because if you look at what Yahusha did during the first four feasts, he did it on the exact dates of those feast dates. And so we could assume, however, we cannot be absolutely certain because Yahusha can do whatever he wants, or Yahuwah can do whatever he wants, right? Nevertheless, what we need to do is what Yahusha says, take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the cares of this life. That day come on you unexpectedly, or it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. So the Bible says to always prepare, right? Always prepare, because he can come unexpectedly. Yes, we have the timeline, but Yahushua can come unexpectedly. This is why we need to always be prepared. Apostle Paul teaches us in Thessalonians 5, 5 to 8, you are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But let those who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love as a helmet the hope of salvation so yahushua i mean apostle paul is telling us we should prepare we should watch and those who are watching they don't sleep they're awake they live in the light not in darkness and so if we are following yahushua's command to be ready at all times it means we need to live in the light not in darkness and so to live in the light to be watching for the return of yahushua what do we need to do Final passage of our studies, Ephesians 5, 8 to 14. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what, what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for it is light that makes everything visible. That is why it is said, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. you want to prepare for the second advent of Yahushua? Do you want to prepare for the blowing of the trumpet that will bring the people of Yahusha into his presence when that trumpet is sounded then we have to live in the light? How do we live in the light? By the fruits of our actions goodness righteousness and truth what must we seek we need to seek that which pleases our master our king Yahusha. if we do this then we are prepared is it possible that the return of Yahusha, that his appearing will take place on a day of uh, trumpets could be and personally as part of watching, we should all be aware of these festival dates because they should be proclaimed, and we need to proclaim it so that the people of God can see its pattern and rehearse it so that we can be fully prepared for the second advent of our king, Yahusha, HaMashiach. That is our lesson. Let us stand, and we shall pray together everlasting Abba yes God Almighty yes thank you so much for showing us your will yes thank you for showing us the mysteries of your word yes we believe that you have a plan for your people you were a gracious God who wants all people to be saved use us as your instruments to proclaim your kindness to proclaim your words Yes. That many more may be embraced by your salvation. Amen. Yahusha, our King, we praise you as well. Yes. Increase our faith. How we long for that day of your appearing. Yes. When we will see you from heaven above. Yes. And you will take us to be where you are with now. To be with you forevermore. Amen. Please help us to endure. Help us to look up to you always. Yes. That we can be ready, watchful and sober. Always ready to receive. Your promised salvation. We believe that you have listened to our prayers, Abba. Yes. That you have pardoned all of our sins. Yes. For we ask everything in the name of our Lord and Savior Yahusha Hamashiach. Amen. Amen.